In a world that often feels overwhelming and discouraging, discover encouraging words for a discouraging world. Ten Biblical Promises to Bring Comfort in Chaos, a new book by Dr. David Jeremiah. You'll discover how to face your circumstances with unwavering confidence and hope. Yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $70 or more, Dr. Jeremiah will send you his comprehensive Encouraging Word set. Request these resources at davidjeremiah.ca. is more violent than ever, and few hold any hope for international peace. But as a child of God, you can still have internal peace. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers three ways you can experience that God-given peace as he continues the series, Encouraging Words for Discouraging Times. Here's David to introduce today's message, God Will Give You Peace. Friends, the world is becoming a very dangerous place, as you know. And uh, the worsening conflict in the Middle East, the lack of a solution to the border crisis, uh, the increase in deaths from major terrorist incidents, and the drug problem that's just overwhelming us in our culture. Um, There's no answer to these things apart from a divine answer. And this is not just my opinion. It's the opinion of knowledgeable people in the world. And with danger and chaos and unpredictability comes fear. So we live today in a fearful world. And if we don't access the power that is available to us, even as Christians, fear can take over. That's why I want to talk with you for a couple of days about peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. That verse says that the peace that God gives you is so awesome that nobody can understand it if they haven't experienced it. Maybe you're looking for that kind of peace in your life. Let's talk about this unbelievable peace that comes from God. And let's be reminded that all of the information about this particular message and the nine other messages in this series, all of these words are available in a brand new book called Encouraging Words for a Discouraging World. Every word that I have spoken on the radio, plus a bunch I didn't have time to speak, are written in this book with uh, additional prayers and study questions. This book is meant to bring joy and encouragement and peace to your life. So if you want to have a copy of this book, we're trying to make it as easy as possible. We ask you to get involved with us. Get involved a little bit, as much as you can. Be as generous as you can be, but send a gift of any size to Turning Point. And when you do that... Ask for your copy of the book, Encouraging Words for a Discouraging World. The books are in our warehouse. They're ready to be shipped as soon as we get your request, and you'll have it in time uh, to begin this year with this wonderful package of truth about facing trouble in a different way than you ever thought. Once again, this book is yours for the asking when you send a gift of any size and simply say, please send me the book on encouragement. Here is... The next edition of Turning Point, God's giving you peace in your world. Don and I were staying in the hotel in New York City, in front of which a man drove his car up over the curb and ran down over 20 people. One 18-year-old girl was killed. She was walking along with her sister, and many were sent to the hospital in serious condition. I was in New York to speak to a group of a thousand pastors. We were staying in this hotel in downtown Manhattan, but the pastor's event was in Brooklyn, 
more than an hour's drive in traffic from our hotel. Since I was going to be involved all morning, I encouraged Donna to stay at the hotel, get up a little bit later, and enjoy a relaxing morning. As our event in Brooklyn was finishing up, someone told me that there had been an incident in Manhattan, which at that time many were saying was an act of terrorism. I felt my heart speed up, and I tried to call Donna right away. We did not connect at first, but within a few moments, I heard her voice, and she told me that she was all right, but that the hotel was locked down. If you saw the television report, you were probably shocked as I was to see Times Square completely empty. Now my problem was trying to figure out how to get back to the hotel so that I could pick up Donna and we could come home. All the streets leading to Times Square were cordoned off and there was no access to the hotel. As I was pondering what we were going to do, I received a call from my friend who is the guest manager of the hotel where we were staying. He told me not to worry. He was going to call the chief of police, and he would handle things. (laughs) Within a few moments, he was directing our driver to an intersection about two blocks from the hotel. He told us that he had talked to the New York City chief of police and that when we got to this intersection, we were to ask for a lieutenant. He gave us his name, and that officer would let us through the barricades to our hotel. Sure enough, when we arrived at the appointed intersection, we met the lieutenant and two of his officers. The chief of police had wired them a picture of me that I think came off of Wikipedia. (laughs) And I saw them looking at the picture and then looking at me. And then I think they decided we were one in the same. (laughs) To my total surprise, all three of them came over to the car with their printouts from the internet They told me how much they loved our television program and thanked us for caring for New York City, asked me to autograph the pictures, and then (laughs) removed the barricades, let our car through. My God is an awesome God, and he sure is full of surprises. (laughs) I tell you that story because it's so fresh in my mind and because for a few moments I felt the fear fingers begin to clutch at my heart. What if Donna had decided to take a walk in front of the hotel that morning? Actually, she told me later she considered doing that. I realized as we were inching through the traffic on our way back to the hotel, many people in our world live under this kind of threat every single day of their lives, especially our friends in Israel. In an article she wrote for Christianity Today, Sarah Hall tells this story about her struggle with peace. She said, I was in Atlanta for a conference, and while there I heard news of a possible ISIS threat against the city. The FBI, I was told, was taking the threat seriously, and we were to remain alert. While the credibility of the threat was unclear, I have to admit, she said, I felt anxious as I went to bed that night. I was far from my family. My young children were counting down the days till they would see me again. Warding off fear, I turned to read Isaiah 9-6. I was comforted by this reminder that God's Son is the Prince of Peace, that he hates terror more than we do. He's not satisfied with people living in the constant shadow of death, and he has a plan for permanently eradicating the things that terrify us. The sound of stamping boots, scary news reports, red alert levels at the airport, horrifying internet videos, brutal regimes will make their plans but God can outstrategize them all. 
His plan for his children is over-the-top joy. No more oppression, no more spilled blood. And while we have seen this plan put into action in the giving of Jesus, it is not yet complete. It is still expanding, and it has a long way to go. But we know this. God is passionately committed to rescuing us from the specter of death, and that is a good thing because as we look out at our world today, what we see is anything but peace. The world is becoming a more dangerous place even as I speak. The worsening conflict in the Middle East, the lack of a solution to the refugee crisis, an increase in deaths from major terrorist activity, all contribute to the world being less peaceful than it used to be. I remember these words from a song that we often sing at Christmas, written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and they lament our unsuccessful search for peace. He wrote, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. God's ultimate goal for humanity, for you and for me, is for peace to blanket the earth. His son, Jesus Christ, was even referred to as the Prince of Peace by Isaiah the prophet. That's because Isaiah saw also what he wrote about in the second chapter of his writings. He said, there will come a time when they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So universal is our longing for peace that Isaiah 2-4 is engraved on the Isaiah wall in a park across the street from the United Nations headquarters building in New York City. That is the reason Jesus came. He came as the Prince of Peace. He is in truth the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace to us. And Paul describes the peace that Jesus brings as the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It probably means that the peace which God gives excels and surpasses all of our own intellectual calculations and considerations all of our contemplations and premeditated ideas of how to get rid of our cares, what God gives us surpasses anything we could ever ask or think. The Prince of Peace is just one of 250 names given to the Lord Jesus in the New Testament. When he appeared for the first time on this earth in a manger in Bethlehem, the angels announced his arrival, as you remember, with these words, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace goodwill toward men. The world into which Jesus was born had a very different idea of peace. They didn't know how we understand peace, obviously. Our English word peace originates from an old French word which means to be reconciled or to have an agreement with or to have the absence of hostility. But the Hebrew word shalom has a much richer meaning. This word is found 355 times in the Old Testament, and its basic meaning is to be whole or safe or sound. Shalom designates a condition in which life can best be lived. A review of shalom in the Old Testament reveals that it never refers to inner psychological or emotional peace. Shalom is the condition of everything being set right. It's about the total well-being of the person and the community. It's one of the deepest longings 
of the human heart. Jesus is the one who brings the deepest longings of our hearts for peace to satisfaction. But if we are honest, we can easily become discouraged when we see so little peace in our world and in our hearts. We long mostly for international peace, but Jesus, I believe, cares more about individual peace, internal peace. Yes, the world needs to come to peace, but how many of you know if peace comes to our hearts, pretty soon it comes to our culture. And so you start where you need to start, and that is with the importance of individual peace. So there are three major ways that we are affected by this peace which God brings. Let me explain them to you as we go along and we'll share them together. First of all, the Bible says that you and I can have peace with God. Underline the word with. Romans 5.1 says that. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace in this passage means the end of hostility, not tranquility of mind. It's not that we have ceased to be hostile to God, but that God ceases to righteously be hostile toward us. Did you know that the Bible says that because of our sin, God has to be hostile to us? Isaiah 59, 2 says, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. This peace that Jesus brings changes the image of God from a fisted hand with a gavel to an outstretched hand of a friend. God's anger at us because of our sin is put away. Our separation from him is overcome. God adopts us into his family, and from now on, all his dealings with us are for good. He will never be against us. He becomes our father and our friend, and we don't need to be afraid anymore. Commenting on this peace with God, Ray Stedman writes, Our hearts are at peace. It is calmness, courage. To use a modern term, and I think the most accurate, because of God and his peace, we now have good morale. Our morale is high. We are ready for anything. No ground can be too rough for Christ, and we have Christ, therefore we have good morale. As you look around today at one another and in our cultures, isn't that what it seems like is missing? We've lost our good morale. Our good morale is just kind of eked away. And we forget that that peace, that inner peace that we seek is not found in our circumstances. If all the wars we fight were won and we stood at the top with our hands up high in victory, we would still not have peace in our hearts if we had not made peace with God. And peace with God was brought to us when Jesus Christ came down from heaven and went to the cross as the God-man and hung there between heaven and earth and paid the price for our sin, our sin which separated us from God. Jesus paid the price for all of it. He took it all away. And when we put our trust in him, we are forgiven, and that sin is erased And then we can have a relationship with God. Then we can say, therefore, being justified by faith, I have peace with God. You have to start there before you can anyway know the other kinds of peace that we're going to talk about. So let me just stop for a moment and say, if you've not made peace with God, it's not hard to do, but it means you have to make a decision. 
You have to decide to deal with your sin at the cross, give it all over to Jesus, and ask him to forgive you. And when you do that and invite him to come and live in your heart, a relationship with God the Father is established immediately. So it is even possible, as the Lord God says, to come boldly before the throne of grace to receive help in the time of trouble. Wow. Then, of course, there's not only peace with God, but there's peace from God. John 14, 27 says, Jesus is saying, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus spoke these particular words on the verge of his violent execution. It was in the context of a stormy, difficult, unbelievable situation in his own life. Anyone can have peace when things are going well, when all is well at home, when physical health is at its zenith, when your financial problems are not too great, and when your children are halfway behaving. You can be at peace when everything's going well. And it is no credit to us when we have peace in those circumstances because the world has that kind of peace. But when we can have peace in the midst of difficult times, that is the testimony of the peace from God. And this peace is not just quiet tension. Some people think quiet tension is peace. It is just compressed anxiety. Too often we think that we are trusting when we're just controlling our panic. True peace is not only a calm exterior, true peace is a quiet heart. There's a wonderful moment that the Apostle John records in his gospel that brings together this truth about the peace we now have with God. Jesus is in a room making his first post-resurrection appearance to his gathered disciples. And then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. It is what he did next that perfectly illustrates what we have been talking about in these last few verses. For the next verse in John chapter 20 says this, And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. He was showing them his hands and his side, obviously for the purpose of identifying himself to them. But I believe he was also saying, These wounds are why I can say to you, Peace be with you. His death on the cross made it possible for him to offer us the peace we so desperately crave. But here's the best news of all. There's not only peace with God and the peace from God, but there's the peace of God. It's the best of all. We read about this in Philippians chapter 4. Here's what Paul wrote to the Philippian believers. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God. Now watch this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. When the apostle wrote these words, he was a prisoner in Rome. In that cold and lightless dungeon, Paul relied on the peace of God to keep him going. He spoke of an inner calm, a serenity of soul, an inner peace born of faith and trust in God. And I ask myself, as I ask all of you today, do we enjoy that kind of peace? Are we able to have that inner calmness? Do we have that quiet assurance that is, well, it's saying to us all is well, even though the outward circumstances may be dictating chaos? Here's a good test. Can you sleep at night? 
Psalm 4.8 says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. No matter what goes on during the day, no matter what problems are in your life, no matter what frustrations you are having at work, no matter what's happening in school or with the other members of your family, can you come at the end of the day and even during the middle of the day know that while everything is going crazy out there, there's that quiet center in your life that keeps you going in the right direction. The peace of God acts, according to Paul, as a sentinel or a soldier who walks back and forth in the front of the door of your heart to provide security. The picture here is that our hearts and our minds are always under assault. Guilt, worries, threats, confusions, uncertainties, they all threaten our peace. And Paul says that God wants to guard our hearts and minds, and he guards our hearts with his peace when we commit ourselves to him. I like that picture of my heart and God's soldier walking back and forth in front of the door to keep all the junk out that would come in and destroy my peace. He guards our hearts in a way that goes beyond what human understanding can fathom. Philippians 4.9 tells us something even better, that while we have the peace of God guarding us from the outside, we actually have the God of peace protecting us from the inside. Verse 9 says, and the God of peace will be with you. If there's anything better than the peace of God, it has to be the God of peace. (laughs) Give me a choice. Do you want the peace of God or do you want the God of peace? I'll take the latter. (laughs) And the Bible says that the peace of God is guarding the outside of your heart, but the God of peace is in your heart, keeping you calm in the midst of stress. As we look back at the wonder of God's peace, I want to encourage you to cultivate that peace in your life. And there are four main highways upon which the peace of God travels, the Spirit of God, the Son of God, the Word of God, and prayer. I want to say just a few words about each one of them. First of all, peace in the Spirit of God. Did you know that when Jesus was teaching his disciples and telling them that he was going to have to go back to heaven, he told them that it was a good thing he was going back to heaven because when he was going to go back to heaven, he was going to send the Holy Spirit down to take his place. You say, well, how could the Holy Spirit be better than the Son of God in one way? When Jesus Christ was on this earth, he confined himself to the limitations of his human body so that Jesus was where he was while he was on this earth, only where he could be personally. And as you know the story of the Bible, Jesus never left the land of Israel. But he said, when I go back to heaven, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit, and he will not be so confined. The Holy Spirit will come to live within the heart of every single person who puts their trust in me. Therefore, through the Holy Spirit, I will be available to you wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever happens to you. The Bible teaches us that when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within our hearts and becomes our perpetual, eternal Savior. John 16, Jesus finished his speech to his disciples about his going back to heaven and said, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. When you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, you have the possibility of peace in your life. And the Bible says that peace is the inevitable result of the Holy Spirit controlling your life. So how can I tell if I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit of God? 
by the quietness within me when there's turmoil around me. How do I know if the Holy Spirit's working that peace in my life when I have some moments when everything should be coming unglued and I just feel this little sense in my heart, I'm going to be okay. God is with me. I'm going to make it. Yeah. Boy, do I understand that as never before. In moments when you are in despair and you wonder what's next, what is going to happen next? And in your heart is that quiet peace that God is there that he's never, ever going to leave you, and that somehow on the, on the basis of his promise, you know, together, you and the Lord will get through whatever it is you're facing. That's the kind of peace you cannot know, and I think that's what the, what the apostle meant when he said it's a peace that passes all understanding. Try to explain that to somebody who's not a Christian, and they look at you with a funny look on their face, because what they know in moments like that is fear. And what you know as a Christian is a quiet sense of security. It doesn't mean you're not concerned about what's happening in your life. It just means you know you're not alone. And I hope you've learned that. If not, we're going to talk about it some more on Monday. So I hope you'll join us then because this is really an important lesson. Have a great weekend, friends. Thank you for being a part of this weekday ministry called Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Encouraging Words for Discouraging Times, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, Encouraging Words for a Discouraging World. 10 Biblical Promises to Bring Comfort in Chaos. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in your choice of attractive cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue Encouraging Words for Discouraging Times on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Do you believe Jesus is with you in every moment? One of the best ways to instill this truth is by spending time in reflection and prayer. Dr. David Jeremiah makes this easy with his new 365-day devotional called Walking with Jesus. This exclusive book is available for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a donation of $120 or more, you'll receive the devotional four-pack, perfect for gifting. Learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Someone has said that when you are right, you can afford to hold your temper, and when you are wrong, you can't afford to lose it. But that requires self-control, which can really be a challenge. Solomon wrote in Proverbs that a man without self-control is like a city without a wall to protect it. 
Yes, self-control is difficult, if not impossible, unless we have the help of the Holy Spirit. When Paul listed the nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control made the list. If self-control is a challenge in your life, just ask God to give you the power of His Spirit. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover the power of God's Spirit on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.